Hello and welcome. You are listening to Bonnets at Dawn, the literary thunderdome that pits Jane Austen against all three Bronte sisters and sometimes Elizabeth Gaskell. I'm Hannah Chapman and I'm Team Austen. And I am Lauren Burke. I am Team Bronte. And this week we have a very special episode for you. This um, episode was taped at Gaskell House in December. It was our panel. It was our first ever live event, Hannah. It was. It was a treat. It was a total treat. I was so nervous. <laughs> it's like so scared that no one would turn up, that no one would care. But then people came and um, it went great. I think it helped that we had some very intelligent guests with us to balance the nonsense that I definitely was spousing. Absolutely. Um, So one of them will be very, very, very familiar to you guys. Uh, Amy Robottom is making her third appearance on Bonnets at Dawn. Crazy. Uh, She, of course, works in the curatorial department at the Bronte Parsonage. And we also have Jane Matheson, who is going to tell you that she's not qualified to be on this panel, but she is insanely qualified to be on this panel guys she's a former librarian she also volunteers at gaskell house she's also been a long time member of gaskell society she is uh very qualified she's an elizabeth gaskell expert for sure yeah she's a a liar like a big liar only about her qualifications not about elizabeth gaskell (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's all true Uh, welcome to the Bonnets at Dawn panel discussion about the friendship between Elizabeth Gaskell and Charlotte Bronte. I am uh, one of your moderators, Hannah Chapman. I'm one of the hosts of Bonnets at Dawn and usually I am Team Austin. Uh, the show tends to pit Jane Austen against all three of the Bronte sisters, which seems like an unfair fight, but the Jane Austen fans are savage. They are, they're ready to fight, so I think it, it works out. Lauren is Anne, uh, Anne Bronte's only fan, so, you know, it, it evens out. It does even out. Not true. Uh, yeah, we uh, put an episode out every week, and for the month of November, we've been focusing on Elizabeth Gaskell, and in 2018, we'll be branching out into at various different Victorian female writers, and we're very excited, and uh, thanks for having us here today. Yeah, I can't believe um, Gaskell House like, let us do this. This is ridiculous, but <laughs> thank you guys so, so much for having us. Um, I'm Lauren Burke. I am Team Bronte, also Team Gaskell. Um, oh, I'm I, also Team oh, Gaskell. Yeah. Okay, just <laughs> <laughs> We're all Team Gaskell today. Um, I am using a microphone because we are recording uh, for an episode that will air in January. So um, getting my audio, we'll get Jane's audio, and then there's like a little mic back here, just in case you guys were wondering. So yeah, anything, um, if you have any questions at the end, we'll just repeat them for the reporter. Um, Yeah, so I wanted to do a panel about Charlotte and Elizabeth because I think that they have sort of an unlikely friendship and also our podcast is about women it's about women writers but it's also about friendship and it's about Hannah and I and sort of our 
combativeness every yeah. week. <laughs> and I think Elizabeth and Charlotte have a little bit of that. So, um, yeah, we wanted to talk to some experts. I'm calling you guys experts. You are. <laughs> Today, I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves. So, um, Amy, you, you want to start? You want to tell us who you are? Okay, so I'm Amy Robotton, and I'm the curatorial assistant at the Bronte Parsonage Museum which means that I deal with a lot of um, inquiries from visitors and researchers and stuff like that, um, amongst other numerous tasks, and <laughs> um, yeah. And you know a lot about the Brontes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by osmosis, yeah, you know, you do pick up a lot, hopefully. Get, let's see what happens today. Charlotte who? Uh, me? Um, I'm Jane Matheson and I'm a very keen and regular volunteer here at Elizabeth Gaskell House and I have been coming here since before the house opened three years ago. Um, but can I just say one thing, I am by no means an expert. <laughs> Slightly terrified by this uh, moniker that keeps getting attached to me today. Um, I should explain, I'm standing in actually for my very dear friend Libby Tempest who is chair of the Gaskell Society and is much more expert than I am. Uh, but unfortunately, her daughter has decided to move house today. So uh, Libby's helping her. And um, I sort of got inveigled into this. Um, there may be things that arise that I don't feel I know very much about. But I know there's one or two people in the audience here who probably know more than me. So I may well throw um, discussion points out to out to the audience, but I will do my best. <laughs> so worry, we made Jane do a quiz before uh, we asked her to be on the panel, just to make sure she knew who Elizabeth Gaskell was and didn't just think she was looking for the NHS centre. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> so, there is that. Yeah. Uh, so Amy, obviously, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, Elizabeth Gaskell and Charlotte Bronte met in the Lake District in 1850. Can you tell us a little bit more about that first meeting and then what was going on with Charlotte Bronte at that time? Where was she yeah. at in life? So it was August 1850 at the Lake District, as Hannah said. So Charlotte had been invited to the Lake District by um, Sir James K. Shuttleworth and his wife. And um, she was starting out on her kind of literary uh, career as Charlotte Bronte. Of course, she wasn't published as Charlotte Bronte at all in her lifetime but she started to let herself be known as Charlotte Bronte rather than Currabelle. So she was invited to their house because they were um, quite interested in the literary scene um, and I think Sir James found himself to be a patron of the arts and the things, although Charlotte was quite rude about him, to be honest. Um, and when Mrs Gaskell knew that Charlotte was going to be there, uh, she was very excited to finally see this Currabelle who she'd heard a lot about and briefly had a correspondence with kind of. She'd received a copy of Shirley from um, Charlotte. So yeah, they met in 1850 and Mrs. Gaskell thought that she was um, really small and she called her undeveloped. Um, but it was really, I think, exciting for him to finally meet. And then if we talk about where Charlotte was in her life at that point, of course, 1850, it was, um, like I said, just after the publication of Shirley, which was kind of considered the difficult second novel. Um, and of course, Anne Bronte, her last sister, had died in the spring of 1849. So she was very much seeking a kind of literary friendship with somebody that she felt to be on a par with herself. 
Um, she kind of reached out to Harriet Martineau and she realised that Harriet Martineau was not going to be the figure that she wanted her to be. She was a lot more critical, whereas Mrs Gaskell was a lot more warm towards her. To her face, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Jean, where was um, Elizabeth Gaskell at in 1850, career-wise? Yeah, so um, Mary Barton had been published in 1848 to quite a lot of critical acclaim. And I think just... Um, rifling through her letters. Um, I get the impression in 1849 she was having a lovely time um, making lots of new friends, uh, being sort of fated in London um, because of um, the, the good reception that Mary Barton had had. So 1849 she was sort of socialising and making all these new mm. contacts, one of whom was Charles Dickens. Um, and Charles Dickens had been very impressed by Mary Barton. Um, and he recognised in Mrs Gaskell someone who had the same sort of social concerns that he had, um, so that he was very keen on sort of sanitary improvements and better housing and education, and he could sense that Mrs Gaskell was someone who um, also was sort of very socially aware. Um, so he met Mrs. Gaskell, or Elizabeth Gaskell, and um, in 1850 he had decided to set up his magazine, Household Words, and he approached Elizabeth Gaskell and said, I'd like you to be a regular contributor on Household Words, um, which I think flattered her, but I think she was also a bit worried um, because she was very busy, she had these four daughters, Julia was still quite young at that point, about five, I think. Um, and she sort of, there was a, some correspondence between her and Charles Dickens uh, with Elizabeth saying, oh, I'm, I'm not sure I can commit to this, don't think I've got the time. So it was Charles Dickens who actually suggested that she concentrate on some shorter fiction for a while, some short stories. Um, so she duly did write uh, a story called Lizzie Lee, which was published in the first edition of Household Words. In fact, took up quite a large portion of the first edition of Household Words. Um, so that's where she was. And I think, as Amy said, um, she had had some correspondence with Charlotte Bronte and was intrigued mm -hmm. to know her more. And my sense is that they did um, they did get on very well at that first meeting. Um, I, I think Elizabeth Gaskell said after the first meeting, we, we quarrelled a lot, but it was in a good way, I yeah. think. You know, it was like a feisty meeting of minds where they stimulated each other rather than not, um, you know, not liking each other. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Charlotte would accept Mrs Gaskell's opinion a lot more readily than she would a lot of other people's. Although I don't think that Mrs Gaskell was quite clear to her straight away what it was that she felt was in her writing. Um, she was a lot more discreet about it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that first letter, like that's about Charlotte uh, Bronte that Elizabeth Gaskell wrote. Like that's what kind of really drew me to this topic too, because I feel like that's like my relationship with Hannah. Like we immediately sort of clashed. But really, respected each other. Yes. yes. If Lauren likes something, you can like. I don't like it, and it's true. I'm sorry. But we, you know, we like dissecting it and sort yeah. of like, and we respect each other's opinions. Um, but yeah, I think outwardly that Charlotte and Mrs. Gaskell are very, very different people. Mm. 
So um, on the show, I mean, we get comments from listeners all the time. We've heard Mrs. Gaskell being described as, you know, somewhat of a socialite or a party girl. Um, you know, Charlotte Bronte, it's gone as far as like someone's described her as basically like a spinster that lived under a bridge. <laughs> Not great. But could you guys clear up like what what is their personalities like? Like what were they like? What were in your opinion too? Do you want to go first? Yeah. Well, I th- I mean, my impression of Elizabeth Gaskell is that she was very sociable and she was quite what my granny would have termed as a bit flighty in that she sort of buzzed about being mm. very busy doing lots of different things. But essentially, I think very a very warm-hearted, compassionate, um, sort of strong emotions. Um, that were directed in a very sort of her, her her impulse was to be a force for good, I think, and mm-hmm. she wanted to be friendly. And I I was reading something yesterday that because she she was brought up by her aunt and she only had one brother, and there seemed to be this longing for sisters in her life, mm-hmm. and she um she she seemed to go through life attracting friends and mm. wanting to be friendly um and, and almost sort of filling a gap that 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 she felt in her own life for for not having a, a strong sisterly relationship mm. so yes she was she was sociable and loved parties and loved food and loved you know dancing and uh the sort of the the the, the jollity of life but but from a, an essentially very warm-hearted and good impulse I think yeah Mm. I think Charlotte wanted to be more like Mrs Gaskell maybe she always had the best of intentions to go to parties and you know there's a story about her going to the Thackeray dinner party where Thackeray was like Carabelle's coming everybody come to my house and see and she just spoke to the governess I think there's a story about Mrs Gaskell pissing outside somebody else's house with her I can't remember yeah there's a story it's when she came here in 1853 um there's some two sisters came the Wentworth sisters and they were playing music in the drawing room downstairs and they were playing Scottish ballads and apparently Charlotte sort of thawed and, and really enjoyed this music and went up to the piano and talked to the sisters and asked them to play more. And then they invited mm. her to visit them the next day. Which, and so Elizabeth accompanied her to this house and she wouldn't go in. Mm. She paced up and down outside trying to pluck yeah. up the... And um, Mrs Gaskell had to go in and say, I'm really sorry, yes, she can't bring she herself can't to come in. in. So she was really crippled by the shyness that she had. I think it's interesting that Jane mentioned that about Mrs Gaskell wishing she had sisters because, of course, when Charlotte started her life, she was, well, eventually she was one of four sisters. And, well, five sisters. Yes, she was one of five sisters. She had four sisters. And by the time she meets Mrs Gaskell, she doesn't have any siblings. And that must have left a massive void in her life. And so they obviously were drawn to one another because they could fulfil that in each other. But Charlotte did um, seek company a lot and she was constantly being invited to other people's houses or she would invite like her best friend Ellen Nussie of something like 25 years would come and spend a lot of time at the parsonage. So she was social in a way but I think she had to feel very, very comfortable with that person and that um, environment in order to go out and 
be like that. And in fact, one time when she came to Plymouth Grove, she was very upset because Mrs. Gaskell had invited somebody, somebody else, else as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that same visit. Was it? Yeah, that yeah. same visit. Yeah. It was all, they, they seemed to each recognise that the other had something that they wanted. Mm. So Elizabeth Gaskell was almost sort of envious that Charlotte Bronte had this solitude to write and sort of uninterrupted time and the she could go for walks on her own and she could sort of her time was could be managed as she wanted it mm. and then Charlotte Bronte sort of recognized that Elizabeth had a lot of stuff she didn't have so mm. the, the, the constant busyness of the household and the companionship and but that Charlotte had experienced in the past and has now got she, she had hadn't been brought yeah. up with that which is probably why she felt that loss even yeah, more she'd lost it, never yeah. Had it. That's right. yeah yeah I want to laugh because you guys are like, we're not experts. So the two women at the time of their correspondence were working on uh, Ruth and Villette. To what extent do you think they influenced each other or talked about their writing? What impact did the friendship have on the, the work they produced? I think um, Elizabeth told Charlotte about Ruth, didn't she? And she, I think she even sent her a, a draft or outlined the plot mm. um, and very much sought, would have liked Charlotte's opinion of it. And I, th I believe that um, Charlotte sent some comments back to Elizabeth saying, you know, the, uh, uh, the, I recognise the, the value of this story. Are you sure you want to end it like that? I mean, those are well, quite the words, but I think she thought it was a bit too tragic. Mm. Um, so she, she, Elizabeth sought Charlotte's opinion and, and Charlotte gave it. I'm not aware of any evidence of Charlotte seeking Elizabeth's opinion. I was going to say, I'm not sure, but when she was writing for like she wanted anybody to have any input in that. She was very like, this is what's happening in my story. And when Mr. Bronte knew about the ending, where of course, um, Monsieur Paul? It is Paul, isn't it? Yeah. When he um, is kind of shipwrecked, it's a cliff on a, it's an ambiguous ending. Yeah. And Mr. Bronte said, isn't that sad? Wouldn't it be nice if they were together? And Charlotte's like, no. <laughs> I think that's an ambiguous ending because that's yeah. what happens in real life. People don't get together. I think that that was very much her feeling. But she, I know that she felt that when Ruth was published, that she felt herself sorely lacking for not having that kind of social conscience evident in her writing, which I find strange because her father, Mr. Bronte, was a great social reformer in Howard. Yes. So it, it is odd that she didn't feel herself able to. Although Shirley is seen as a state of a nation yeah. kind of novel, yeah. A little bit of influence there, maybe. Yeah. 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 I'm just thinking also about, um, also like, just a reader that had pointed out, like in North and South, like just uh, oh god, what was the main connection? Because there's so many things in North and South that are just like so many little literary references. Um, I, I can only remember the Jane Austen <laughs> ones. I'm really sorry. Okay, it'll come back to me, guys. It'll come back to me. Anyway, um, so I would like to hear more stories about the visits, the exchanges that they had, and you know, if you're here in Gaskell House, we think. The most popular one you will hear from a volunteer is about Charlotte, of course, hiding behind the curtains. Behind the curtains, which you know, reiterate <laughs> for our listeners. But yeah, what else happened? I think. 
Oh, what else? Yeah. Um, well, we've told you the story about the uh, the piano players. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? <laughs> what other stories are there? Um, I'd quite like to hear the curtain one. Yeah, the curtain one. Well, the curtain story is that, um, um, as we've explained, Charlotte was very uh, painfully shy. And uh, this was a house where people were coming and going a lot. There were callers, and there was a set time of day when people would call. And I think that time had come and gone one day and um, Elizabeth and we may embroider this story slightly <laughs> it's sort of one of those stories that's that's growing as the years go by I think. Um, but um, one day uh, Charlotte and Elizabeth have settled down in the drawing room um, having a cup of tea I assume and um, there's a knock at the door and it's Mrs Sidney Potter has come to call who is the great aunt of yeah, Beatrix Potter? Aunt. Great aunt of Beatrix Potter. The Potters were connected. Um, William was at university with Beatrix Potter's grandfather, and kept in contact with them and went on holiday. With, they had relatives with him. in business together, didn't they? I think they did. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the Potters were a, were a strong family connection, and Mrs. Sidney Potter had heard that Charlotte Bronte was staying with Elizabeth Gaskell and was very intrigued to meet her, um, because everyone was intrigued to mm. meet Charlotte Bronte. Um, so she called, and Elizabeth, I always tell the story this way, Elizabeth went out to meet Mrs. Sidney Potter, brought her into the drawing room saying, you must come in and meet Charlotte Bronte, and Charlotte has vanished, <laughs> totally vanished. <laughs> so they sit and they chat for a, a while, and then it's clear Charlotte isn't going to reappear. Uh, so Mrs. Sidney Potter leaves, very disappointed, and on coming back into the room, I believe, they notice a pair of little feet sticking out from under the oh. curtains, um, and Charlotte has hidden behind the curtains. Is that how you tell the story? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, was, yeah. I was asking Lauren this, but yeah. how likely do you think it was that Mrs. Sidney Potter and uh, Mrs. Gaskell were talking about Charlotte Bronte when they thought she wasn't in the room? It's quite possible. I mean, they'd yeah, certainly be speculating. Because I know I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What was the source of this information? Ju- apparently Julia, the youngest daughter, tells this story um, to someone. Sorry, oh. I don't know who. Um, later, you know, after Elizabeth's death. It's certainly... I can't find it in a letter. Um, mm. So I don't think Elizabeth told this story. But Julia told the story. And Julia would be there because Julia was... Very, she was very attracted little, to Charlotte Bronte. They really liked each other, didn't they? Which is surprising because whenever Charlotte ever met a child, she was like, "Get away, get away from me!" But um, <laughs> yeah, she seemed to like yeah, Julia, she which liked is nice. And also, yeah. I think it's likely to be true because in Jane Eyre, there's a hiding behind the curtains episode, yeah. isn't there, where Jane Eyre hides behind the curtains? So it was in in um, Charlotte Bronte's head as something that you could do. Um, yeah. So unless she, that's where Julie got it from. Possibly, but, but I like this. I feel I like, like it is something it. that Charlotte would do. Yes, I think. Yeah. Like. And there's certainly room for a small person. Um, if I mean, I'm sure most of you've been down to the mm. drawing room. There's quite a space in the window, yeah. full of radiators now. But um, yeah, I'm, it was perfectly possible. And what about the tea story? Do you know that one? The tea story. Uh, the tea story? No, I don't know the tea story. What's oh, the tea story? I know the tea story. <laughs> Someone told me the story. What's so, that? allegedly, Charlotte Bronte was in the drawing room and they were preparing to go to bed one evening and Mrs Gaskell offered Charlotte a cup of tea 
and she said, yes, but I cannot drink green tea. And the Victorians were going through this whole thing at the time where green tea was considered to have a huge amount of toxins um, and some people didn't want to drink it. So when they went to prepare the tea, they discovered that all of the tea in the house was already a blend of green tea and black tea because you could do that in, mm. in your tea caddies. So they decided to not tell Charlotte Bronte that they'd already mixed it and they served it to her anyway. And then the next morning at breakfast, I think it was Misa was sat there anxiously thinking, oh, we've made her ill. Don't she went, the tea. How did you sleep? Yes. And uh, Charlotte Bronte said, splendidly. <laughs> and that was in... Um, that story is told in one of the biographies by Ellis or Callis, or, and it's an Elizabeth Gaskell biography, not a Charlotte Bronte one. Oh, I've never heard that. I've never heard that story. Ask right. Nick. He tells it on the tour. See, so you learn something every day as you come to There's one, another little story of that visit where the, um, Charlotte and Elizabeth are sitting um, are talking, and Elizabeth starts to tell Charlotte one of her ghost stories. Because um, Elizabeth, I, I mean, I must confess, I haven't, I'm not keen on ghost stories, so I haven't read them either, so I don't know how ghostly they are. Um, but she did write quite a lot of ghost stories, and Elizabeth started to recount one of these stories to Charlotte, who stopped her and said, please don't tell me, you know, a ghost story before I go to bed, because mm. it'll prey on my mind. So, yeah, I, rec I recognise that feeling. <laughs> I read that on one of her visits here, either just after she got here or just before she got here, her friend Ellen wrote to her and said, I've heard an interesting thing about that house in Manchester you're stopping in, and then gave her a ghost story. Um, and I think she was like, I wish you hadn't done that because I didn't sleep. Right. But it's curious because when she was a child, when she was at Rowhead School, yeah, when she was at Rowhead School, she told a series of ghost stories that really frightened all the other pupils. So right. she must and have changed at some sensitive. point. Yeah. 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 Now, Amy, what stories are there about uh, Elizabeth visiting the parsonage? The parsonage. What I find interesting about uh, Mrs. Gaskell visiting the parsonage is that she seems to have known all about the parsonage before she ever arrived and never really changed her opinion. <laughs> um, but she said that when she did go, she really liked how quiet it was and she liked the fact that Charlotte lived her life very much like, it's half past eight, we do this now, it's half past six, we do this now. And she liked that they did have an hour by themselves in the house when um, Mr Bronte had gone to bed and the servants had gone to bed and they could just be by themselves and have a chat. They liked that. Um, but there's also the time when she came around the time that Mr Nichols had proposed and been turned down, which is quite exciting. And of course, Charlotte, um, Mrs Gaskell had a lot to do with sorting out that situation. So that Charlotte Bronte became Mrs Nichols eventually. Um, yeah, it, but it's strange because when she came, um, also Mrs Gaskell quite liked Mr Bronte. But if you read anything that she ever writes about him, you wouldn't think that. So it's quite mm -hmm. confusing. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when you read the biography, on one page she'll say how uh, esteemed he is in some part, and then when you change the page, he's like this horrible man who stopped Charlotte from living her life. So, yeah, it, it's a bit confusing, I find, her time at the parsonage. And she was in favour of the marriage. Very much so, okay. yeah. Yeah, do you want me to elaborate? Yeah, please, yeah, yeah, yeah please. <laughs> so Mr Nichols was uh, Mr Bronte, the parson of... Howard's curate, mm -hmm. and he'd been in the village since 1845. He had seen Branwell's decline, he'd seen all the sisters die, and over the years he'd come to love Charlotte, 
um, and she was very uncomfortable with the situation because she knew about it and she was very awkward about it, as was he, to be fair. And in 1852, he proposed to her and it was uh, chaos, really. He um, proposed to her, Charlotte said, I'll have to ask my father. Her father said, that's completely inappropriate. How dare he? Put into a rage. Mr. Nichols was heartbroken. He left Howarth. Um, as soon as he did that, Charlotte was very much like, what have I done? I feel so awful. And it was one of those circumstances where she tried to escape power quite a lot from that point. And during one of her visits, she told Mrs. Gaskell and Katie Winkworth about the situation. Mm-hmm. And they were both like, oh. <laughs> so Mrs. Gaskell set about getting a, um, a proper job for Mr. Nichols, where he would be in charge of his own parish through... Richard Monkton Mills, yeah, um, and she was very, very keen on the match, and eventually it, it all came right in the end. <laughs> very briefly, it came right in the end, but yeah, she was instrumental in bringing that about. Now we do have this is a listener question, which I had planned for later, but mm-hmm. we're on topic. Okay. So, um, a listener asked if, um, like, what was the relationship between Gaskell and Arthur? Like, did he, did he like? not want their friendship to continue because he was opposed to her Unitarian beliefs. Yeah, that was a difficulty, but they were of different religious standings. And whereas Mr. Bronte, we know that he was a lot more open to debate and he was very much involved with the Methodist movement in that village, how often they worked together, Mr. Nichols was a lot more like shouting at people, didn't agree with it. He was a lot more vocal about it. so, yeah, that was an issue. I also think it was a bit of an issue that Mr. Nichols didn't really want Charlotte to have any friends after she got married. I think his belief was, I am your friend now, and your husband, <laughs> and this is how it will be, because he tried to push away Ellen yeah. Nussie. Oh, I didn't know that. Did not. Did not. Yeah. So, but he put like a bit of a barrier up, and Ellen was very upset. But basically, they were just jealous of the place that they each had in Charlotte's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to writing a biography, it all got a bit... Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you want to come back to that later. Well, we'll come back to yeah. that. <laughs> um, Can I just tell a little anecdote, though? Yeah. Um, before they got married, um, Charlotte comes here yeah. after, after she, uh, uh, Mr. Nichols has, 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 has had his heart broken, yeah. but then they... I can't quite remember the chronology, but anyway, she's decided she's going to marry Mr. Nichols. So it's May 1854, she comes here, she gets married in June. And I like to imagine it just out there on that landing there. (laughs) There's um, uh, Charlotte Bronte comes out of her bedroom and Katie Winkworth comes out of her bedroom. And Charlotte hasn't actually told uh, Katie Winkworth, she's not said, I am going to marry Mr. Nichols, but Mm. they've sort of picked up their hint. And um, there's a little conflab on that landing between Elizabeth Gaskell, Katie Winkworth and Charlotte Bronte saying, we think you're not going to be on your own for very much longer. So Charlotte Bronte does say, yes, I have decided I'm going to marry Mr Nichols. But I'm a bit worried he might be a bit dull. She did <laughs> say that. Yeah, not she quite did. those words. But, uh, she said that he wasn't an intellectual. That's so right. Well, what was she doing? So she Marianne? was having this sort of wobbly moment. I think but, that's still um, a very real concern. Yeah. I just love to picture the three of them on that landing. But Katie said, um, but if he's nice and he's warm and all these things, and then apparently it ended with laughter, didn't it? Yes, it did. Katie had managed to make them all laugh, so that's Mm -hmm. nice. Who's Katie Whitworth? 
who's Katie Whitworth. A friend of Elizabeth Gaskell. Were they family friends? They were family friends. The Whitworth Jane, do you know more yeah, about that? Yeah, they lived locally. Mm-hmm. And um, um, Katie Whitworth went on holiday with Elizabeth Gaskell um, a couple of times. And um, William actually taught one of the Whitworth sisters, and I'm not sure which one it was, but that sister had a crush on William. And Elizabeth actually said, that um, she would marry him if she could. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure, but was Katie and um, Susanna? Was it Susanna? Susanna the was the other one, yeah. Um, yeah. And one of them had a big crush on William Gaskell. Mm. Yes. I'm going to yeah. jump forward just a few years <coughs> to the um, sad event of Charlotte Bronte's death in 1855. Now, uh, as I'm sure everyone knows, Elizabeth Gaskell wrote the life of Charlotte Bronte mm-hmm. and um, yeah Jane if mm-hmm. you could um, talk to us a little bit about the book and how uh, she went about that how it got started right well in a- April 1855 she heard that Charlotte Bronte had died it was a few days after the death actually but she was informed by John Greenwood the Howarth stationer who had supplied Charlotte with all her paper Oh, he was. (laughs) Yes, that was a fact I learnt yesterday. Um, So Elizabeth was deeply shocked by this because she had had no communication with Charlotte and didn't know anything about her being ill. Um, So she was she was very saddened, and she wrote straight away to Patrick Bronte, sort of saying how sorry she was, and she actually describes Charlotte as I think the best friend I had here on earth um, so you know she, she was really deeply moved by by that at the time she was between books she published north and south and she'd found um, writing north and south quite a draining experience I think she'd had you know quite a struggle to get it finished and at the end of sending north and south off to her publisher she said that's it I'm not going to I'm not going to write anymore books now it's too tiring so she was actually in between books um, and didn't have anything on the go um, she did she, she'd been very um, moved by Charlotte's story I think um, you know and, the, and this blending of the sort of almost fiction that grew up around Charlotte's life had already begun at that point and um, she, she did say um, quite quickly after Charlotte had died, I think I'd like to get the facts down that I remember about Charlotte for my daughters, um, because they'd taken to Charlotte very much when she came here. And um, Charlotte and, and, and the, the four girls had, had, had built up quite a nice friendship. So it, it was already sort of picking away at Elizabeth's brain, I think, that she wanted to write something down about Charlotte's life. Um, and then... Following the death, as I understand it, there were lots of reviews and articles and things in newspapers that Charlotte (coughs) had died and people were talking about her in her life. And a lot of these articles were quite inaccurate. Um, And this began to niggle, as I understand it, at Patrick Bronte. Um, And he wanted to set the record straight. 
And because he knew that Elizabeth had been a good friend to Charlotte and he'd met her and she was an established writer with a, a sort of good reputation as a writer, it, 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 he suggested to Elizabeth that um, she could, could write the life in an accurate and truthful, truthful way. But it was something that had already started mm. to, to sort of filter through her brain anyway, that, that, that this was something she wanted to do. But it became a, a much more ambitious project. Um, so I don't know, is the more you want how, to... How long did it take her to write the book, to finish it? Well, it was finished by February 1857. Okay. So, and Charlotte died in... April 1855. Yeah, yeah, so it was two years um, from start to finish. Mm. Um, but then, you know, two years in Elizabeth Gaskell's life, she probably wasn't sitting down every day methodically writing. It would be, you know, squeezed in. But it was a huge amount of work for her because she had to rely on the very few friends that Charlotte had um, for information. Mm. Um, she went off to Brussels to visit the Asia family, um, you know, and it was, she had a lot of work to do to pull mm. facts together and then rewriting and rewriting as new bits mm. of information came in, so. And she got her daughters to copy up all the letters as well, didn't she? So it, it seems to have been a bit of a, a workhouse production in a way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I was just reading this morning that um, she did. She got her daughters to copy out letters and then she forgot sometimes to go back and read through those mm. letters and make sure that, you know, any possibly inappropriate bits hadn't been left in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a bit more editing and attention to detail was probably required. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was something I found quite interesting with the letters, because I was rereading it over the weekend, <coughs> and she does quote the letters verbatim, a lot of them, just straight as they were. And But then she also quotes other letters that she doesn't just put in but she does do it verbatim and she doesn't say this is from a letter by Charlotte but I know it and I'm there going well why didn't you just say that's from a letter by Charlotte I find it really confusing why she did that well maybe some Gaskell experts can tell me <laughs> when she went off to Brussels I was reading um Monsieur Eger Monsieur Eger showed <laughs> how it was written in the biography is that he showed her Charlotte's letters but he didn't actually hand them over to her so he either yeah. read them to her or showed her but she wouldn't be able to write them out verbatim because no. she didn't actually have them in her possession she just she had didn't to didn't like the content remember. either did she so she she kept that <coughs> out but yeah there are a couple of letters from like that is word for word what Charlotte said in a letter and you've not put it in as a letter so it's a bit strange to me I'm not sure why she did it but they are the most dramatic letters as well that she did it with where charlotte's off her real voice comes through the best it's quite interesting i'm not accusing yeah. her of plagiarism yeah. <laughs> i mean i'm not but it's just interesting you might want to tell us a little bit too about like what charlotte's reputation was because the sense is really mm. that mrs gaskell was trying to defend her friend <laughs> and set the record straight and sort of manage her image so around the time that Charlotte met Mrs. Gaskell, it was um, being written quite regularly that she was coarse, that her novels were coarse um, because of things like how Mr. Rochester 
um, behaves with his wife in the attic of things. Um, and Charlotte claimed that she had, was completely oblivious to this, and that I don't know what anybody's talking about. I think that's a lie. I think she knows full well what she's writing. Um, but Mrs. Guest, well, that's one of the reasons why everybody wanted to see her and talk to her and find out was she so coarse as everybody thought from the novels. Um, and so Mrs. Gaskell was really disturbed by that, I think, mm-hmm. that um, accusation of coarseness, which actually went down to her femininity almost, mm-hmm. that they accused her of all sorts of things. And so when she came to write the biography, she kind of put aside the writing aspect of Charlotte's life and made her very much a saint in the house that um, had kind of had to uh, put aside her ambitions so that she could care for her elderly father who was a selfish, selfish man. <laughs> wasn't. But that's how she felt him to be. <laughs> because she was able to write and not be constant things. Yeah. <coughs> and then, you know, I interview a lot of the Bronte scholars on the podcast and we talk about the life of Charlotte yeah. Bronte quite a bit and sort of maybe you can explain how it's perceived in the community as well. Community. <laughs> Our tiny little Bronte yeah. community. It's bigger than you think. <laughs> it is. Um, it's a funny one because a lot of people are very anti-Gaskell, and I have been for a very long time, mm-hmm. but there's a lot to be said for the fact that she did know Charlotte. She had a really good friendship with her. Nobody else has ever written a book about Charlotte as lengthy as the life and as important as life ever had that relationship with her. Um, yeah, and it's it's also though written by a novelist. It's not written by an academic scholar. But like Jane was saying about how she went to Brussels and things, she actually did a lot of the legwork that we now yeah, take for granted yeah. um, in our knowledge. And that's really important that she did that. But mm. there's a lot of fibbing in it, <laughs> to be honest. There's a lot of things that are omitted as well, like we yeah. were talking about um, AJ. Yeah. I want to tell everyone yeah. who he is. So, and, Monsieur Faget yeah. was um, a teacher at the pensionnat mm-hmm. that Charlotte attended in Brussels. So, she'd gone with Emily for a year to kind of finish her French get some more experience as a teacher with the idea of opening a school at the Parsonage. And while she was there, it, Monsieur Hager, who was the husband of a man who actually, uh, of a woman, <gasps> yeah. he was a man who married a woman, <laughs> very much ahead of their time, Russell, um, that um, had the school. So it's actually Madame Hager's school, and he was a teacher. And he was kind of the first person, as Mrs. Gaskell says, to talk to Charlotte as a writer, but she'd always wanted to be a writer since childhood. And he was the first person who kind of said, that's what you are, you are a writer. And so when um, they came back from Brussels unexpectedly because of the death of their aunt, so Emily and Charlotte returned, Charlotte was like, I'm going back, I have to go back. And Emily was like, well, I'm not, so see ya. So for her to, undertake that journey which was several days and probably quite dangerous for a woman by herself and also she'd missed the connection that she needed to get to a place and she had nowhere to sleep and all that kind of thing she was willing to undertake that dangerous journey to see Monsieur Hager again and then she spent a year working with him and Madame Hager and in that time it became quite embarrassing how keen she was on him 
uh, whether that's just romantically or intellectually, um, but it was very frosty, her relationship with Madame Hager. And there was a point at which they left Brussels to go to their country estate during the summer holidays and she was just by herself and she went a little bit nuts, I think you can say, because she just had nobody to talk to. She was completely alone. And eventually she just said, I can't do this anymore, I'm going home. And she was so depressed in that time and it's so awful to think of it. And when she left, Monsieur Hager was like, so weird with her and things. Yeah. It's really sad because she's like, she says in the letter, nobody will ever know what it cost me to part with him at that point. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's so distressing that she was so unhappy. Yeah. But she had to come home to make herself right again. And then mm. there was this series of really long, passionate letters that she sent in where she's like, I must have a crumb from a rich man's table, please reply to me. And he never did. He never replied to it. And she, he tore up the letters that she sent and then his wife found them and stitched them back together as a sign of her madness. It's a real yeah. sad story, it's really. Yeah. And Mrs Gaskell didn't like it? Well, no, because it shows Charlotte as this romantic being yeah. who had desires, whether that is to be like a writer or to be loved by Monsieur Niger. Right. Um, <coughs> she just didn't like that. So yeah, I think that's the big that's the big beef. I think that's the first thing that a lot of people bring up to me when they want to talk about the life and they really want to talk really? about Really? What yeah. about Branwell though? Well there's that too. Yeah. We could talk about Branwell. Well, I'm just gonna take over the <laughs> uh, Yeah, but but she counterbalances that with how Branwell behaves. So she portrays Charlotte as very virtuous because she just ignores all the aspects of herself. Mm-hmm. But then she really highlights how Bramwell had had this affair with um, the woman that he was the tutor for, some da da da, um, and how when it all <coughs> fell apart that he was such an alcoholic that he killed himself and Mrs Gaskell basically lays, well no she explicitly says that Miss Lady Scott, who was Mrs Robinson but she became Lady Scott after <coughs> her husband's death when Bramwell felt she should have got married to him, it's quite confusing. Um, <laughs> She just libels her and says, yeah, it's her fault that all these sisters are dead, all these literary women. It's mm-hmm. her fault that they're dead. Because she wrought all this damage. And it, that's not very fair either. Very fair. It's a good story. It is a good story. And I think, do we think that's where she was going? Or do we think that maybe she actually had some of those feelings? Because she never knew Brainwell. She never no. knew any of the siblings. She just was hearing secondhand information. She... Charlotte did confide in her, though, apparently, about the problems with Branwell. Mm-hmm. And so Elizabeth Gaskell was aware that the, the trouble that mm. the family were being caused by Branwell's uh, behaviour and the fact that, you know, Charlotte's father was old and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were all very distressed um, by the behaviour. But there's um, a portion of a letter to their publisher, George Smith, where Elizabeth Gaskell actually says, do you mind the laws of libel? Yeah. So she knew that she, she was getting herself in trouble. She suspected that she was there was going to be a lot of trouble about it, which is why she went off abroad as soon as it was published. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. a great story about her leaving and leaving uh, William to kind of like take care of it. She yeah, said, I'm going to go pop off to, to Rome and you yeah. have to deal with the fallout. Um, 
because I was reading the letters around that time mm. this morning and she's almost she can't wait to finish and get off to Rome yeah. <laughs> and she writes to the publisher and says I'm going, I'm going to send it to you next week and I'm, I'm really keen to know that you want it because I want to go to Rome and yeah. she just literally posted it and went yeah. Um, <laughs> and she didn't leave a forwarding address, no, did she, no, for no. her letters? No, no, so no. when she finally caught up to him, there was like 100 letters, wasn't there? And she said yes. to somebody, I'm in the hornet's nest now. Yes, sure. that's right. I'm in the hornet's nest with a vengeance. That's it. Yeah. Um, she, um, she went to Rome and then she sort of travelled slowly back over a course of about a month. And I think she was getting little hints that all was not well um, because... She's, she gets a letter via William um, from Patrick Bronte, which is his reaction to the biography. And um, he's, he's sort of fairly complimentary about it and says, yes, I think you've portrayed a, a true story. But there are a few little mistakes. And William has responded to Patrick. Uh, while Elizabeth's still away so he sort of tried to to build the bridge mm. but uh, and then she moves on to somewhere else and she gets another little hint that there might be some letters waiting for her when she gets home and then when she does get home there's literally over a hundred letters and lawsuits are threatened and yeah. yeah and we are back in the studio in the present I hope you guys enjoyed part one of our panel on Elizabeth and Charlotte. We will be playing part two of that panel um, a little later on in June after Louisa May Alcott month has ended, um, which I think is good because, you know, sometimes you can go on like a little Charlotte overload. Right, Anna? Oh, I'm always on a Charlotte overload. Like she crosses my mind and I'm like, enough. But (laughs) the second half of the panel is really good. There's some great... Uh, listener participation, audience participation, mm-hmm. listener participation. Yeah. Who are There's a bit of that. They're there. And um, yeah, we just keep talking about them. Yeah, we do. <laughs> True story. Them. So now if you guys would like to see Hannah and I live after hearing that, can't imagine that you would, but maybe you do. Yeah, sorry for making that weird noise. <laughs> um we have a few live events actually in the books so the first one is going to be here in chicago where i live fantastic it's gonna be at uh, depaul university just down the road from me it's gonna be the fan studies network conference now that runs between october 25th and october 27th not sure what day our panel is on yet but we will definitely you know keep you guys informed i'll be skyping in unfortunately i will not be in chicago but my face will be on a little screen it's true and i'm hoping that we can record that and get it uh get it on the podcast as well We'll keep you updated on that also. It is, um, it's a Jane Austen themed episode as well. We're going to be talking about Jane Austen fandom. Yeah. So not that we know anything about that. Nothing. We don't know anything about that. <laughs> now, if you would like to see us live and in person at the same time, then we will both be at the Bronte Parsonage on Wednesday, the 5th of December. 
doing a little trip to Haworth. We're very excited to be to be back in Yorkshire in the cold and wet. I know. I really can't wait. I wish we were going in the summertime, but um, December is definitely the soonest I could get up there. And um, I'm, I mean, I'm very excited because there's like a bunch of special events at the Bronte Parsonage happening that week. So we're going to be going to those as well. And then we're going to move that party from Haworth back to Manchester. Are we going to go to West Dids? Should we stay in the same Airbnb, Hannah? I'd like to sleep in a, a bed. Okay, sure. <laughs> Fine. <It's an> Airbnb. <laughs> Demands. She's got demands now. I'm going to sleep on the sofa bed again. I felt like your stepchild (laughs) that you were ill-prepared to host. Well, okay, fine. We'll find you somewhere with a bed. Thank you. And, you know, heat. Yeah. I guess, if you must. Thank you. Maybe like a a blanket or just something to sleep under. That'd be nice. Okay. Well, gosh, such a diva now. Season two, season two diva. Two diva. Once a bed, (laughs) once a blanket. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so down in Manchester, we're going to definitely have a day where we go to the Manchester Gallery and check out the Annie Swinnerton um, exhibit there, which I think it'll just be sort of like a bonnet to dawn, like field trip. Yes. And then on Sunday, December 9th, we're going back to Gaskell's house. So yeah. It's going to be a wild week. I think that's good. That's going to be an intense week. It really is. It really is. But we're we're used to this, right? Like that's- this literary house intenseness is kind of our thing. <laughs> that's what we're known for. So yeah, guys, uh, let us know if you want to join us for this little adventure. And, you know, if they want to do that, Hannah, how should they reach out to us? You can find us as always on Instagram and Twitter at Bonnets at Dawn. You can send us an email, bonnetsatdawn at gmail.com. And you can log on to your little old Facebook account if you haven't deleted it because of privacy issues. And you can search Bonnets at Dawn. And we'll all be there oversharing and um, letting people steal our data together. Sounds like a plan. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And um, please join us again next week as we discuss Louisa May Alcott. That should be a good one. I'm very excited. It'll be all right. (laughs) Bye. Bye.